<laughs> this week on Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, real-time Gorian relationships. Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dawn. Kneel before me, you insolent whore, and take my cock in thy mouth and snuggle it. Snuggle it? (laughs) You're not... Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay. This is why you cannot be a Gorian slave. The Aww. giggling and the lack of cock sucking currently happening. Aww. But you make a good podcast show host. And okay. you make a good MS slave. I try. Well, I think you do very well. And today on the show we are talking about Gorian relationships. Gorian masters and their Gorian slaves. And what it means to be a real-time Gorian couple. So, yep, we ran across this couple at Camp Kink. And decided to learn a little bit more about it. Just And we ended up learning so much more about it. And just a wonderful couple. Spent all kinds of time with us. And we'll end up with this episode with them. This uh, this interview with them. will end up being broken out into two parts. It's about a 40 minute interview. I didn't really want to cut anything beyond that. So we're going to break it out into two different shows. Because they just had a lot of great information. For those that are not familiar with the Gorian lifestyle. It's based on a, uh, a group of... Uh, fantasy writing by a guy named John Norman, mm-hmm. and like many fantasy writings, have been um... turned into something. I mean, there's uh, some fantasy writings that have been turned into religions, you know, some that have been turned into lifestyles. Also, on today's show, we are going to be reviewing a blog called Dungeon Place, and Dungeon Place is actually more than just a blog. It's a blog. It's a podcast. It's an interview thing. It's all kinds of interesting things. We'll be taking a look at that as well. Nice. So, well, another thing that's coming up that we talked about a lot last week was um, getting ready for COPE this weekend. So I've got the packing list out. We've got a lot of stuff going on and packing up to make sure we've got everything we need to accomplish what we want to do. And it's going to be a, a really fascinating event. It's going to be a lot of fun. One of the things that I'm looking forward to is not only on Friday night will you, I, and Karen be running the Scarlet Sanctuary, mm-hmm. but then on Saturday, we don't have to teach. No, we don't have to teach. We're so. not presenting anything. We're not. We're going to actually just relax, go to classes. So, And it's kind of nice because um, some of the classes are going to be by people that are going to be in our hometown that we have met in other places. So this will be interesting. But since we were in other places, we were presenting and didn't get to go to their workshops. So we'll get to lay back and chill and check it out. I'm looking forward to, and I feel like I'm going to be a tourist. I'm just looking Mm -hmm. forward to the whole tourist thing. I might get a Hawaiian t-shirt. No, no, no. That won't look very, that won't look Domly enough, you don't think? No, no, not so much. 
So, but we're going to have a great time. So some of the things I'm packing are formal dishes so that um, House Meta can serve a formal meal to the dominants in the house. Mm -hmm. And another thing I'm packing, fetishware, of course, toys, of course, um, and a, a length of chain. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about that on the next episode. We'll talk about how that goes. But if you're sitting there thinking, uh, that's funny, they, they normally talk about sex and stuff, but she's talking about a length of chain. I wonder what that's for. It's for sex. <laughs> don't, don't be fooled for a moment that we've changed the topic at all. So that's going to be a lot of fun. If you are a podcast listener and you're going to cope and you haven't had a chance to meet us, feel free to stop by. Our door will have the House Meta logo on it. And yeah, it'd be great to meet new people. Absolutely. So... I'm looking forward to it. This week on the show, we are reviewing DungeonPlace.com. Their simple motto is, show us your dark places. And they want to show us where to practice your erotic arts. From dungeons, bedrooms with restraints, doorways, hotel rooms, anywhere you transform into a dungeon, they're going to talk about. Nice. And a lot. And a lot more. And let's hop over to that blog and talk about it a little bit. Dungeon Place, and you'll find the blog at DungeonPlace.com. One of the things you'll notice is that they have a podcast as well. They have the Dungeon Place Fetish Cast, and their latest episode is the Potluck episode. And um, they talk about the BDSM lifestyle and why they like it, and they talk a little bit about the community and about their fondest scene and all kinds of stuff. So let me tell you a little bit about their podcast. Their, pod their podcast reminds me of... If you're familiar with the um, the podcast This Week in Kink, it's a bunch of people sitting around mm -hmm. talking about a variety of topics. And they seem to range anywhere from around about six or more guests on each episode. And it's not really run by anybody hardcore. It's, it's really just a nice flowing discussion that mm -hmm. they get. So very much a roundtable discussion. So, you know, I've had the chance to listen to a couple myself and... You know, you're right. It does just kind of flow and go with whatever's been brought up. And they seem to have a good time with it, too. Absolutely. And when you go to look at their blog, they have... Uh, a, it's really no long-winded episode. They'll... Play-by-play -play sort of things. So. Right. They're, they're little comments. They're little... A paragraph here, a paragraph there. Um, here's one about a garage photo shoot someone mm -hmm. did. Talking a little quick comments about body image and self-doubt. Um, all kinds of little things like that. So you're not the, going to this website to read long articles about BDSM necessarily. More little featurettes type thing. Nice. It is, um, as you'll see, one of the things that you'll see is that it is. it does feel like, to me, a commercial site. Mm -hmm. We can donate money. We can call them. We can buy things. We can go to their uh, different directories of dating services and movies you can purchase and all that's it's not all crushed into your face but there is a prevalence there's a feel to this is something that they've put together with the idea that we as consumers might want to buy something to help fund it along there's even a little along the, the tabs you can go shopping you can submit your own content though and that's interesting oh, nice so if you want to talk about some of the, your favorite dungeon or some of the stuff that you've heard on the podcast or read mm -hmm. on the website that makes you say, oh, well, that's interesting. I had an experience like that. 
it's very easy to submit your own content. They also have a tab for a featured dungeon. That's kind of an interesting idea. It's like something that. a little different. And yeah, that's that's what you get from Fetish. I'm sorry, that's what you get from DungeonPlace.com. So, Dawn. Yes, sir? Did you know that there are all kinds of different power exchange relationships? You don't say. I do say. <laughs> There's the loving DS relationships. Mm. Relationships where a dominant submissive or a master slave are together based on the fact that they are in love with each other. There's, on the other side of that, mm -hmm. there's objectification. Mm -hmm. DS relationships or MS relationships. Right. Where one person is a human and the other person is no. just there. Yep, not so much. And um, we've actually known someone in that type of relationship. And that is what she wanted. And when her master fell in love with her, she gave the collar back and moved on. So. And we knew someone else, similar relationship. They were... Uh, very excited by the idea that Master had a cage that they were going to sleep in. Mm -hmm. They were going to be let out to do the required duties that the person had for them and just sent right back to the cage. And that's how they would spend their life. And they're very excited about this mm -hmm. idea. So it's not for me to say that's healthy or unhealthy, right, wrong, good, bad. Not what I want out of a slave. Right. So, But seemed to thrill them and feed their hearts. So, it, it did indeed. Know. The, uh, and, of course, there's service-based master-slave relationships. Absolutely. We have a, a very good friend of ours that that's their thing. They like the doing the service. Mm -hmm. They find great enjoyment in ha having the opportunity to come over, scrub the floors, do some dusting. And when their master comes home to look around, and he looks around and says, oh, the place looks nice. And that is the extent of their relationship. And this person is very happy with that relationship, very um, fulfilled by it. Now, when I train service slaves myself, I put a little different emphasis on that. And we put a different emphasis than some other houses do in our house as well. Again, not right, not wrong, not good, not bad. It's a matter of if you're submissive, if you're a slave and you're looking for a place to serve, to being able to understand just because uh, Lord Master Grand Poobah. Grand Poobah. <laughs> you're laughing because you meant that guy. I know. <laughs> just because Lord Master Grand Poobah does things in a certain style doesn't mean that Domly Dom is going to do things in the same style. Absolutely. There are a lot of books on master-slave relationships, and no one has the right way to do it. They all have their own way to do it. And that leads us to today's interview. We're going to talk about Gorian real-life relationships. In our first half of the episode, we're going to talk specifically about those relationships that happen in real life, the real interaction between people. A lot of people are only familiar with the Gorian lifestyle via chat rooms mm -hmm. and online interaction. And here in our first half of the episode, got nothing to say about that. It's all how we interact in real life. We're talking with uh, free companions, Bob mm -hmm. and Elizabeth. Yeah, and had a lot of questions for them because it is um it feels like it's a misunderstood way of living so um you know with it being based on a fiction book which they're upfront about you know it is based on a fiction book but they like the ideology that's in the writing so and that's what they've incorporated into their life so a lot of people had questions 
we had a lot of questions and they did really good at answering them. So maybe I understand it a little bit more now. So here we are sitting at the Camp Kink event. <laughs> and who do we run into at the Camp Kink event except for real life Gorians? <laughs> now, many of my listeners out there are going to say, Dan, those don't exist. We've never come across a real life Gorian. And, and I'll tell you, personally, I have been involved in the lifestyle for about 10 years. And when I say I've been involved in the lifestyle, I don't mean that I spanked the girlfriend at home. I mean going to munches, going to events, interacting with other people. And I have never sat down with a Gorian couple that is actually here in the flesh and not on my computer screen. <laughs> so you guys do you guys do exist, it appears. So let me start off by asking you to introduce yourselves. Bob. And I'm Elizabeth. Bob and Elizabeth. Those aren't even great. Where's your titles? Where's all your... <laughs> so you guys are just normal, real-life folk. Yep. And you happen to, to participate and practice the Gorian lifestyle. Yep. We're everyday people. It's just we find the Gorian lifestyle the um, the idea, the structure is what we enjoy. The being held accountable for one's what you are, or who you are, what you say, what you do. That's that's the way we live. Okay. Well, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that structure. How do you perceive it as different from being a, a, in, for example, a standard master-slave relationship? We, I, what I, what I like, we like to say is we live the lifestyle. We enjoy BDSM. We are not, we're not Gorians when we go to a party or on a weekend. We, this is our lifestyle every day, 24-7. It's not, it's not playing at it, it's what we live. I think one thing is that he's not my master and I'm not his slave. Okay. We are free companions. I am free in my own right. I am free with my own personal determination. And I think having lived and strived to live a life by the Gorian ethos for a dozen years or so, I've studied it a lot, you know, I've looked at other, I've looked at the BDSM lifestyles, I've looked at leather, but I always have been drawn back to this. And I think the one thing that draws me back so much is the order of nature. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of folks will call it natural order, but that's really not what it is. It's about the order of nature. And it's about being who you are to your own nature. So there's a slight but significant difference between the two. And it's about the difference of a master morality versus a slave morality. And then you go back to personal determination. So there's so much of it, and it's so enriched with all these different factors. You know, it's hard to just claim any one thing when you're talking about gore. I think I joked with you earlier about, oh yeah, we have a flock of tarns, and no. You know, we, we don't even play it online at all. So, you know, uh, the, just you just said a bunch of stuff that I want to ask you about. <laughs> Let me start off with the whole sure. the flock of Tarns, and, and I don't mean the 80s band with the haircuts either, mm -hmm. Okay. but the, the idea that obviously some of the things that John Norman represents in the books, that is John Norman, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. can't be transcribed into the United States American life. 
Obviously, you don't have a tarn. Um, is that the point where what what's the point where you say this is something that we can't try to emulate? It looks good in the books, but here we can't do that. What a, a lot of people got to have to understand. John Norman was trying to incorporate his ideas and the Gorian life into a fantasy that people that would sell. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of parts of the Gorian life that uh, are are not possible. There, there's not a, a, a slave auction house down the road. Uh, a slave is not going to. We're not going to take her out in the backyard and impale her if she, you know, or take her down to the slave auction and sell her off. But that's one of the biggest problems is getting people to separate the fantasy to sell the books and the ideas that he was trying to bring out. Okay. John Norman is a philosopher. He's a, a professor at a college in New York, and he is a philosophy professor. So what he did was he took a lot of different cultures and wove them together. And there are 28 books now. It was 26, but then they came out with a witness and prize. Mm -hmm. So there's a total of 28. And a lot of the books you can pick out, oh, okay, now I see where he brought that in. Uh, there's a, the savages, obviously, you know, the Indian culture. So there's a lot of different cultures that he interwove together to create his, the, the fictional planet of Gore, which literally is a rock. And I know that we talked earlier about a homestone. You know, mm -hmm. that's a very cultural practice. And that's part of the cultural practice that we do. We, he has his personal homestone. So there are some cultural things that we do that we transcribe from the books. Mm -hmm. but, but it's more about the philosophy of it. It's more about the gender-based. It's more about celebrating the differences of the gender. You know, I get to be a woman. I love to be a woman. I don't want to be equal to a man. He gets to be a man, not emasculated, not being sorry for being a man, but a man in the, in the birthright of their male dominance. Well, that's one that mostly. That's not one that we should, all. Sure, but that's one that we should we should talk about a little bit because that's one where people really start getting their hackles up. Yes, is, it is. And is that what the order of nature is? Is that what, or is that something different? I believe it is each person's own nature. If it is your nature to be dominant, then be dominant and be proud to be dominant. Mm -hmm. Be recognized it within yourself. You know. Are there male slaves? Yes, and there are male slaves in the books. Not very many, but there are male slaves. So, yeah, you're right. This is where the line comes in and people's like, oh my gosh, you know, he's there. You know it's all about uh, male supremacy. And it, it really isn't about male supremacy. And the other misconception, I believe, are misogynists. That Gorian men are misogynists. Hell, I have never, ever met a Gorian man that didn't love women. I think that would be a huge red flag to me if someone said, well, you know, I'm a Gorian and I just hate and despise women. That would be like, whoa, you're not like any Gorian I've ever met and I've met many. Mm -hmm. So it isn't really about male supremacy at all, but it's about celebrating the differences of the gender. It's not being, is that word androgynous? Is that the word I'm looking for? Okay, I think. Doesn't that mean, anyway. Mm -hmm. 
It's about celebrating the differences of a man being a man and a woman being a woman and being true to the nature of your own, own so, self. So to target this question specifically, Bob, mm -hmm. are women inferior to men? Not inferior, different. Okay. They are, <coughs> a lot of times in society, a woman is viewed as being less of a woman if she can't be equal to a man. There's physical differences, there's uh, psychological, mental, I mean, there's entirely, there's a lot of differences between the two. And it's, in, in our lifestyle, it's allowing a woman to be a woman, a man to be a man, not what society thinks they should be. Mm -hmm. And that's what we enjoy. It's I, I don't don't in any way think that a woman is inferior. Just different. Okay. And that's what we love about the lifestyle. Let everybody be who they are, not what everybody else thinks they should be. My understanding is, from what I've heard, that slaves in John Norman's book are considered property. Mm -hmm. Beginning and end, they're property. Mm -hmm. Can you love property? Do you have an emotional connection to any of your slaves? There's an, a, there is a connection. Uh, as in, you know, even in the, the BDSM master slaves, as far as loving a slave, that's hard to describe. It, I, I'm not sure, I mean, that, that would be different for each person. I, I've joked around, and several other people have joked around, the friends that we know that, you know, all you got a collar Liz, make her your slave. At one time, I thought about it, but there is something about Liz as a free woman that I would lose part of Liz as a slave. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with Liz the free woman and don't want to lose that. I know uh, I know a couple uh, Gorian man, men that love their slaves, mar married them for financial and reasons for our society. They had to. Mm -hmm. And a couple of them, uh, you know, one, one just lately uh, freed his slave and made her his free companion, free woman. And just to make sure that uh, I understand what we're talking about, freeing your slave doesn't mean that she's going away. No. It means that she's becoming, instead of your, your property, she's becoming more of a peer? A, com a companion. A companion, not a not peer. Not a peer. Not okay. a peer. A companion. Okay. Frees her from the slave... Mindset. Mindset and standards to a free, which is what a free, a free man, a free woman, and then they became free companions, which is the Gorian equivalent to a marriage that is a contract for one year. It is renewed every year. And it is something that, and one, one of the things I, I see with a lot of people, they get married. And, oh, well, we're married, you know, and they don't have to work at it. In a free companionship, you work at that because it renews every year. 
you have to, I mean, at, 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 at the end of the year, we could decide that, no, we're not going to sign it again. Mm -hmm. Either, we, either, either one, one of us. Because we're both free. Mm -hmm. It would be my choice as well. You know, I choose to be his free companion, whereas a slave has no choice. You know, her choice, choice a slave's choice is either obey or not obey. That's it. When, when it all boils down to it, she either obeys or she doesn't. Those are her choices. For me, I have personal determination. I have sovereignty within myself. You know, uh, last night you had those things and you said, is there someone I need to ask? No, because I, I choose to mm -hmm. do this. You know, had I been his slave, I probably wouldn't even have spoken to you. Mm -hmm. Because that would be not what a Gorian slave would ever think about doing is speaking to a free without permission or being addressed. So, you know, there's, but the biggest mindset difference, I think, is the difference of the master in a rules-based, a master morality versus a slave morality in a rules-based morality. Those are like two of the huge differences where I believe that where a groin is coming from. Can you expand on that some? A master morality is the personal determination of making our own choices as a free. Whereas a slave morality is based on someone else's morality and someone else's determination. Okay. So there is where the difference lies. And one of the one of the things that you were, when you brought up about a slave being property, a lot of people when they hear that they automatically get a negative uh, response to that. The way Gorians look at a slave as property, it is someone that they own, but you're not going to mistreat property that you own because if you mistreat it, it's not going to serve you to the best of its ability. Uh, give you a prime example. First gathering we had, a master slave came to our house and the he, he ended up, I mean, he's a real close friend of ours. The woman had just had gastric bypass. She had not adjusted to her new body weight, and she was having problems. Several times during our gathering, she was told to take a break, sit down. She didn't. At the end of the night, she had problems where she was cramping up. She was, she was having physical problems because of her exertion. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I found out, I walked into the bedroom and we checked her out and so it was just cramps, nothing serious. And I looked at her and I told her that uh, the next time that she's told to take a break and she doesn't, I will beat her ass and I don't, don't think her her owner was standing right there. And I said, I don't think your, uh, your owner will have a problem with it because when you're when you don't uh, take a break, you're not at 100%, you can't serve us properly. So even though it wasn't my slave, I was upset because she ran herself into the ground where she couldn't serve us 100%. So prop owning a slave as property, I don't see as a negative because you're going to take care of what is yours. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I see a lot of people have a problem with is that terminology. 
as being a negative, uh, you know, uh, your property is, is a f an old farm tractor or a workhorse or something like that. Well, still, you're going to take care of those things, right? To make sure that they will do the best thing, best job for you. Well, now that brings up an interesting question as well. If in a um, when I interact with DS Dom Sub people, a lot of times I'll hear a submissive say. Well, some dominant came over and asked me to get him a glass of water. And mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm not your submissive. Mm -hmm. I'm submissive to my dominant. But I'm not just any old, I'm not submissive to just any old dominant walking around. If I was at a Gorian gathering and there was a collared slave sitting around and I was invited because I am I, uh, recognized at least by this house mm -hmm. as a master mm -hmm. or a freeman, mm -hmm. Can I just say, hey, slave, where's my damn water? And expect her to hop up and obey? 99.9% .9 of the time, yes. At our gatherings, most of the slaves that come to the gathering, their owner will temporarily give them to the house. Okay. Yes, their owner still comes first. If their owner asks them to do something, and then you ask them to do something, yes, they will do what he asked first. But most of the times when, it, when we have our gatherings, slaves are brought into the house. They are basically under Liz's rule because she takes care of the house. They are, for the most part, given free reign to take care of general, general requests. Now, as far as anything personal, no, you cannot. You would not be able to, you know, ask that. General serving, yes. Okay. Okay. Usually, the, most of the people that come are Gorians, so you know it's pretty much understood if the man has a slave, she's going to serve. You know, drinks and food. You know, there's where we're talking about serving and they do fall under my domain and I expect I have a very high bar of standard set but I expect and what I don't expect mm -hmm. so yes to your answer at our gathering obviously we can't speak for anybody else we can only speak from our own personal experience and what we personally do so I want to make sure I preface that with everything that I say you know from my in my opinion and from my own personal experience but yes, where's my damn water? She, you better already have it. In fact, the girls all have, there's a list, and I don't believe that a slave should ever ask a free person twice what they take in their coffee. If you want coffee and you tell her once, that should be, you never should have to tell her again because there's a little note written down where Dan takes his coffee X. So if you want coffee again, then they can look at the little note and say, oh, this is how he takes it, you know, make sure it's that way. So I don't think that that should be done. Cool. Coming up next week, Real-Time Gorian Relationships, Part 2. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn.